welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up and make some noise for your host, Joe What's going on, Heat Nation? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Like usual, I got some guests with me today. First, we got Brian. What's up? <laughs> then right after that, we got Quake. What's going on, yo? It's been a minute. You can follow me at the Earthquake underscore three at, on Twitter. And then right after that, we have the newest member of the Heat vs. the World family. Say what's up to the listeners, Kevin. What's good, everybody? It's good to be here. Appreciate y'all for having me on. Let's get to it. All right. So let's waste zero time and dive into today's episode. Last game, Miami lost to the Cavaliers by 26 points, which currently places them at the five seed as this pod is being recorded, giving them a record of 13-9. and nine. Tyler Hero had 21 points and six assists, while Gabe Vincent, Caleb Martin, and Dwayne Dedman had 11 points each. Right after that, you have Max Drews with 10 points and three assists, and a disappointing zero points from Duncan Robinson, who went 0 of 6 from the three-point line this past game. Also to add on, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo were both out for this game, and yes, we will talk about the recent news regarding Bam and his injury. But before we do, how do you guys feel after watching this game against the Cavs? Start it off, Brian. Uh, I mean, I've been saying on this on the post game, but it feels like we're watching fake basketball. I don't know. Like, I get it. They lost to the Cavs. But the Cavs are a decent team, and you're missing your two best players. So I don't really feel any type of way about it. Like, it's a game that, you know, against a, a 500 squad is a toss-up if you have, you know, with Kyle Lowry and, and Tyler Hero. So, I'm not down about it. I think that there's probably going to be, unfortunately, a lot of games where it, it's not going to look too good just because the Heat are handicapped right now. So it is what it is. You take the L, you move on, and uh, you kind of keep the perspective that until this team is full, full and healthy, we're probably going to see a lot more L's. Right. And what do you think, Quake? Well, I told people before Bam got hurt that the Cavs were going to be tough and not to underestimate them because – they play hard and they play defense. And when you have those two things going for you, you can you're you can be in any game regardless of how um, bad or how handicapped your offense is. And we saw that last night uh, with Jimmy Butler and obviously Bam out. Um, the Cavs' length was difficult for the Heat to score against with uh, uh, Markin and Mobley and uh, Jared Allen all starting together. And the Cavs have a generational rookie with Evan Mobley. This, this, this kid's going to be special. If the season ended today, he would be the rookie of the year just based on what he does at both ends of the floor, particularly on defense. Uh, it's very rare you see a, a rookie impact the game defensively um, like he's been doing, especially for a big, but he's doing it. And so you, you just have to give them credit. Now, as for the Heat, um, as Brian said, there's not much you can really say about them. Um, Again, this is a tough opponent to score against. And with your two best players out, including your best offensive player in Jimmy Butler, 
it wasn't it wasn't going to be or I wouldn't say it wasn't going to be much of a contest, but the result that we saw last night isn't something that anybody should be uh, concerned or surprised about. Right. And then how do you feel, Kevin? Yeah, I, I agree with Brian and Quake. Like they both hit on both good points. Like we're missing our, you know, our top two players. You know, the Cavs, they're no longer a slouch. Like Evan Mobley is a really good player and he's completely changed the entire dynamic of that team. And he just made them completely better. You know, K-Love had a pretty good game. I think he had like 22 points off the bench. Um, they shot 54% as a whole from the field. They also shot 51% from the three-point line. And they out-rebounded us plus 18. So, like, um, it's a tough loss. But, again, you know, when you're missing your two top players, you're not really going to ever be able to compete in games like this. So, I'm not really putting too much stock into this game. It kind of sucks, you know, because with all, you know, all the things going on right now. But, I mean, on to the next. I agree 100%, you know. Um, especially hard, you know, when you got, as you guys said, a lot of big men, when, especially when Bam is out, you know, we were at a huge disadvantage with that. And it's crazy to think that I think this is the first time the Heat lost at home to Cleveland since I think the last time was back in 2010 when LeBron was still a Cavalier, which is crazy to think about. But, you know, obviously, you know, especially with the news with Bam, I guess, you know, us as Heat fans, we just got to hang on, just hope for the best. And, you know, now I want to quickly talk about the situation with Bam. You know, I wanted to get into this. Um, as most of you guys have heard, Bam will be out for suffering a UCL tear in his right thumb, which came during the Heat's rematch with the Nuggets this past Monday. And to further add on, Ethan Skolnick has also reported in a recent article for Five Reasons, and I quote that, Several sources told Five Reasons Sports Network on Wednesday afternoon that the four to six week timetable that ESPN reported is conservative and a best case scenario. Adebayo's absence is likely to be close to double that. That would put his return at late February or early March, not only significantly stressing the Heat's front court rotation and starting lineup, but also taking him out of play to participate in his second All-Star game. So with that being said, considering how much of an impact Bam has had on this Heat team this year, what is your reaction to this devastating news? And how do you think Miami will handle things during Bam's absence? Kick us off quick. Well, Eric Spolstra during the Big Three era said a lot of interesting things, among which being that although LeBron James was the best player on the team, Chris Bosh was the most important. And I think in this case, it's very similar and wherein you have Jimmy Butler as your best player, but Bam Adebayo is your most important. I, I think that Heat fans are going to learn that um, throughout this stretch, whether it be one month or two months. I think that uh, Bam has been disrespected for too long by Heat fans on Twitter. And although Twitter isn't representative, obviously, of the entire Heat fan base, I think you can gather a good sense of where people's opinions you know, lie with certain players. So I think people are going to start to see the sheer importance that, that Bam Adebayo has at both ends of the floor in terms of defensively, obviously he's the anchor. And with him out, you have to lean heavily on Dwayne Dedman, who played 31 minutes last night. Um, year seven only played four minutes last night. I think Spo, Spo is going to have to trust him to play uh, regular rotation minutes and see if he can hang defensively. You can't just assume that he can't uh, defend in space and 
and use that as justification for not playing him. I think you have to see if he can. Um, because with, with Markeith Morris also out, you can't just be using these no center lineups with uh, when uh, Deadman is off the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just it doesn't work considering that you don't have somebody who, who can bang with bigs down low uh, minus Deadman. So I think Spolstra is going to have to do some tinkering with the rotation uh, to find something that will work uh, in Bam's absence. And I'll leave it at that for now. Right, Kevin, how about you? Yeah, this is tough. Um, you know, like Quay just said, Bam's the anchor for this defense. He does a lot of good things, especially when it comes to this guarding, you know, on-ball screens, being able to switch and be able to guard, like, 99% of guards in the league, which is a very rare thing to do for big men. So, like, um, Spoh's going to have to get real creative with the lineups and the rotations because, you know, not having Marquise Morris is even worse. It kind of worsens the situation, and hopefully, you know, he can get back sometime soon. But – it also sucks, too, just because, you know, we want to see Bam get developed. You know what I'm saying? He needs these in-game reps, you know, to keep trying to elevate his offense. And, you know, we know what he brings defensively. He's one of the best defensive bigs in the league. And we still have this rebounding problem that's been lingering for, like, the past few years, ever since Jimmy came to Miami. And not having Bam, who's probably arguably your best rebounder, that's tough. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, I don't know. I guess, you know, Spo doesn't – it doesn't seem like Spo really has a lot of faith in, in – Oh, uh, year seven right now. I think that's kind of concerning because he, I mean, he's been kind of up and down the minutes that he has played, but I, I think he's he's going to have no other choice. I mean, unless you want to play UD, which, I mean, that's not crazy, but I mean, UD's up there in age, but regardless though, like they're going to look at it. They're going to take the next man up approach. I think, you know, Kyle Lowry's going to have to take that jump because, you know, I know this is a whole different conversation for another day, but a lot of people have been saying that Kyle Lowry's been playing, like, terrible and they wish he could score more, but he can. He just hasn't gone into that mode yet. You know what I'm saying? He's kind of just been coasting, kind of like what we've seen from Jimmy sometimes. Like, they want to get other dudes involved, like Duncan and T-Hero and other guys like that, Struess and Gabe Vincent. They want to see their confidence get boosted. So, it's a very tough loss. I'm not going to lie because, you know, Bam is a, a super important and vital part to this team, but we, we got to figure it out somehow. You know, everybody's dealing with something from COVID to injuries. Now it hit the heat, and sadly it hit one of our better players, but we just got to keep it pushing. Right. I agree 100%. And how do you feel, Brian? Yeah, I mean, in a situation like this, there's not really much you can do. I mean, uh, like Quake mentioned, I think that Bam is is their most important player. And, you know, in any situation, it'd be hard to replace what Bam brings unless you have an elite center. And I think that, unfortunately, this is going to kind of show, especially with Marquise Morris out, that the Heat's uh, front court depth is, is a little weak. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of nights where they have to rely on P.J. Tucker at the five, and that puts a lot of stress on him as a 36-year-old. Um, or Casey Akpala. I, he, he was the first big off the bench the other night, and though he looked decent, you know, we've seen what he's been in his first three years, and it hasn't been great. So, yeah, they are going to have to trust here at seven. We're probably going to see some UD minutes. Um but unfortunately, there just isn't really an answer on this roster. I mean, Spoh's going to have to, yeah, he's going to have to mix and match and see what he has. But ultimately, this is going to be a time where we, where we really do see how important Bam is and, and how his impact is is basically irreplaceable. Um, you know, it's going to be nights where maybe they can do it by committee. Not maybe, definitely can't do it by committee. But overall, it's not going to look good because Bam is that important. He, he's that 
he's that talented. He means that much to this team. So it's it's it sucks. It's tragic. But hopefully by the time he gets back, you know, he's rested and they can make a, a, a good second out push. Right. And, you know, before we continue, um, does anyone want to add on to that real quick? Yeah. Um, so I think I want to talk a little bit about Bam's impact on the off- offensive side of the ball. So uh, my guy, uh, Austin, he tweeted something funny uh, last night. It was about the fact that uh, Duncan, without Bam screening, you know, looks like a, a JV player, essentially, which <laughs> based on... <laughs> Based on based on last night's game, I don't think anyone can argue with. Um, just, I mean, the, the the dribble handoff plays between Bam and Duncan have, have decreased this season from last season, you know, due to Kyle Lowry being on the team now. So, but not with Bam completely out of the lineup now. That's a you know that's a major source of Duncan's offense that's gone. And one other thing I'd like to point out is, you know, the possibility of getting a big off the buyout market or sorry, not off the bio market, but in free agency. Um, there are There is one particular name in free agency that does intrigue me. Uh, it's Marquise Chris. Um, I think he tore his Achilles when he was in Golden State, if I remember correctly. And that's why he got released. But uh, he played well for the Warriors uh, while he was there. And he, show, he, sh- he showed some passes, some uh, flashes of being able to be a good passer as a big man. So... That's that's a name that I would look at potentially to sign if I were the Heat, even if it were just to a 10 day contract to see uh, if he can even uh, contribute still, you know, at an NBA level, which given that Spolster is a a very good coach and the Heat have a good offensive system, I think he should be able to contribute. So that's one name that I would just throw out there. Right. And Kevin, Brian, like, do you guys have any names in mind to add on to Marquise Chris that could help Miami during this tough time? Um, honestly, I think one that's kind of interesting, I don't know how the situation is going to play out, but I would keep an eye out for Marvin Bagley. Um, you know, they just fired Luke Walton. They got Alvin Gentry in there. So he has been playing way more, I guess, you know, Bagley didn't have a great relationship with Luke Walton, but if that time comes, like, I think he would be good. I just think he needs to get a new situation, a fresh situation. And honestly, he probably would be perfect. He's not the greatest on defense, but I mean, anything is better than what we got right now, to be honest. Not saying that we're terrible in that end, but we can definitely get um, better when it comes to our front court depth, like they were saying. So I would look out for Marvin Bagley. And then, um, Brian, what about you? Yeah, I don't know who is available uh, via trade right now. The free agent big market is looking not great. I mean, I guess you could take a flyer on like a Harry Giles maybe, but – the other problem is the Heat are really, really close to the luxury tax line, and I'm not sure if uh, if if Mickey Harrison is going to want to go over that for a temporary big. And then that's compounded by the fact that Caleb Martin is on a two-way contract, and eventually they do want to, you know, I'm assuming transfer him to or convert him to a, a standard contract, which would take up the their 14th roster spot or, uh, or their final roster spot, rather, so. I, I don't it's kind of a weird situation. It's like if you get a big right now, then that means that you probably have to send Caleb Martin back to the G League because he's not getting that roster spot. So you're going to be using up more of his of his 50 days. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure that there's a good answer right now. And again, if they do do that, then that means they're in the luxury tax. I don't know if that's something they're willing to do at the moment. Um There's just not a lot of good options, honestly. I mean, it, it's basically taking the flyer on people on the on the trade your market or you know trying to find a trade for you know a stopgap big 
but there's just nothing that they can do to replace Bam at the moment, or even for these, you know, one to two months he's going to be out. It, it's just hard. It's going to be hard to find that production, um, unfortunately. Right. And, you know, and that makes me think about this certain question that I want to ask you guys, because, you know, right now with Bam out, I kind of view this like a bit of a hurricane where it's like, you know, now you got to deal with this type of situation where you could possibly it could possibly cause a lot of damage and everything. So with that being said, um, I want to ask you guys, how much damage do you think that this type of injury is going to have on the Heat? Now, we know how much of an importance BAM is to this team. But, you know, when you look at the team's record and the team standing right now, like, do you think by the time BAM returns, you know, whether if that is you know, in four to six weeks, or whether if it is, you know, as we heard the report from five reasons, you know, maybe late February or early March, like how, how do you see this team looking by the time Bam makes that return? And um, we'll start off with you, Kevin. Um, Honestly, I think they should be in a, in a pretty good spot. I think they should probably be somewhere hovering around like where they are currently, like you said earlier, we're a fifth right now. So they should still, you know, they should be able to stay afloat. I know our, our upcoming schedule is kind of tough, but, I mean, that's just what it is right now. The, the East is the the uh, superior conference in the NBA right now. And a lot of people have been dealing with injuries. You know, the Bucks have been hurt. You know, the Bulls were, were without Vucevic for a minute because of COVID. You know, same thing with the Sixers with uh, Embiid. So, like, it just, it just came to Miami's turn. Now we don't have Ben. We're not going to have him for, you know, probably a couple months, it's looking like. So, I think we should be fine, though. Again, I think, you know, Jimmy, when he gets back, he's going to have to take it up another level. Same thing with Kyle. And I think the rest of the team will follow suit. You know, I think we, we've we been seeing a, a an evolved version of Tyler Hero, but I know he could take it up a level. And that's obviously being optimistic, but I know our two best players currently without Bam and Jimmy and Kyle can go to another level. I think that will be a huge thing. And not hopefully, you know, not, you know, be able to burn themselves out because we're going to need the best version of them come playoff time. But for now, we're going to need it if we want to stay afloat. Like, again, if we can just hover around five, six, and maybe even seven, then I think that's a win, you know, for as long as we're going to be without Bam. Right. And quick? If Bam is out um, until late February or early March, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's, it's difficult to say because with him out, you're going to have to score at a at an elite level or borderline elite level in order to stay afloat. And in order for that to happen, uh, Jimmy Butler has to, uh, as Kevin said, step up his uh, scoring game. Kyle Lowry has to be efficient, uh, more proactive looking for shots. Duncan Robinson has to get back to uh, being a top three to five shooter that he was last season. Uh, there's a lot of variables that, you know, have to go the heat's way in order for them to to stay at that fifth seed or or you know higher you know so it's it's very difficult to say or to project where they're where they're going to be with bam out um i could see i could see them falling into the play jeez and then brian you yeah i mean i think that the good thing is they have a little bit of a buffer before they're at 500 but Jimmy doesn't just step it up. Tyler Hero, you know, he's already been playing out of his mind. Kyle Lowry needs to be a lot better. Duncan needs to shoot like we know that he can. Like, just a lot of things have to go right for them to 
maintain where they're at. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're probably going to be around 500. And in the East, that might knock you down a peg a little bit. Now, luckily, it's, it's early in the season, you know, and they can make a run once everybody is healthy. But it's going to be tough. They're gonna There's going to be a need for, you know, basically everybody to play well above what, what they've been at right now um, or at for the season. So, yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I think the Heat fans should prepare for some ugly games. And, you know, during this time, they're going to need to win the games that they've struggled with, you know, versus the really bad teams that we've seen, you know, the, the games that we've seen them lose or be close to losing, they're going to need to win because it's going to be really, really tough when they're playing really good teams without them at a bio. Um, so I, I'm hoping for the best, but I just, like I said, I, I would caution everybody to be prepared for uh, a little bit of a slide. Right. I agree. You know, like to be without Bam and, you know, right now being without Jimmy, um, as the report came out, and we will talk about this upcoming game soon, uh, that Jimmy and obviously Bam, along with Markeith and Victor, the other obvious names, along with Marcus Garrett, all of those guys will not be with the Heat when they play the Pacers for this next game. You know, it's going to be really tough for Heat fans to watch. I think we just got to hang tight right now because, you know, like I said, this is like a hurricane. You know, you just got to hope for the best, you know, and just see what happens. You know, once this hurricane ends, just make sure it's not as bad as we thought it would probably be and just move from there. I now want to hit on another news that was um, brought up uh, a couple of days ago or just yesterday. And it was that the NBA announced this past Wednesday that they were going to be taking a second round pick from the Heat as a result of their tampering investigation concerning the Heat's acquisition of Kyle Lowry. Now, I find this really hilarious. And the reason why is because we all know how Miami is. You know, we know how their developmental system is and everything. And we know how they've been able to turn players who weren't even drafted in the key pieces of the Heat's rotation. So with all this being said, like, what's your reaction to the league's verdict towards Miami? Tell us, Brian. Oh, I mean, I don't I don't care. Like, the Heat don't care about the second round pick. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, I'm going to be honest. I wish the Heat did use their second-round picks more. I think that second-round players typically have more upside than guys who are undrafted. Uh, I mean, Nikola Jokic was an MVP. Like, maybe the last undrafted MVP. You know, so you can find some gems in the second round. But, you know, the Heat the Heat have obviously also been really good at, at developing guys who weren't drafted. So it's not like they really see a difference. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. Like, I, I guess I'm not... I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty neutral on the whole thing. Uh, could have been a lot worse, I guess. I guess, maybe. Um, I mean, the penalty is like fining millionaires or billionaires and suspending executives, even though we have phones. So it doesn't wouldn't have really made a difference either way. But uh, good for the NBA, I guess. I, I don't know. Cool. <laughs> and what about you, Kevin? Yeah, nah. Um, if that's a penalty... You're getting a high-value free agent over a second-round second, a second round draft pick. I'm taking that 10 times out of 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know who wouldn't. Like, I mean, I'm not mad at, at people for wanting to take them second-round picks because, of course, you know, the Heat have a pretty good history of just drafting players in general. But, I mean, come on now. Like, would you want Kyle Lowry or a second-round draft pick? You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the 
the chances of a second round drop it actually panning out are, are very slim. Um, if history tells us anything, so like, honestly, I was just surprised that it came to this because when the first when it was first reported months ago, like people made it seem like we were about to lose all this money and it was possibly like that the trade could get rescinded. I knew that wasn't gonna happen, but they were just making it seem like it was gonna be the worst thing possible. And for for all this to play out, just to come with some second round picks is honestly just laughable. So. I mean, really, in all honesty, the Heat really didn't lose anything. And I don't even think they did anything wrong at that because that's pretty much what the NBA said. But, I mean, it is what it is. Like, <laughs> I, I just find it funny, to be honest. Right. And um, I'm going to pass the mic to you quick, real quick. But I just want to add that, you know, if you look at the Heat's history, I mean, especially when you look at the numbers that are hung up in the rafters. I mean, so far, the only number that's hung up of a draft, a player that the Heat drafted is Dwayne Wade. You know, there's no other player right now, you know, up in the rafters that was a guy that the Heat drafted. You know, Chris Bosh, that was someone we got from Toronto. Uh, Tim Hardaway, Alonzo Mourning, those guys weren't drafted by the Heat. And, you know, it's going to be a while until we see another drafted Heat player, you know, get their number up in the rafters. Hopefully the next time we see that is when, you know, it's going to be Bam's turn. But you know, I find it really funny, just like you, Kevin. So you know, with that being said, uh, Quake, how do you feel? Well, this decision isn't going to dissuade uh, GMs from tampering in the future. And the NBA made this decision knowing that it's not going to do that. If they were serious about stopping tampering, they would have maybe taken a first-round pick from us and from the Bulls. The, the fact that they didn't do so tells you that Adam Silver is not only a player-friendly commissioner, but he's an owner-friendly commissioner. If this were David Stern, I think we would have seen real consequences. So this is nothing, this is nothing that uh, dissuades me in any real way whatsoever. I think that... Um, if the Heat see a player that they like in the second round, they should simply just buy a second round pick as teams do. I agree. And like I said, it's just very funny. I mean, so I don't, was there any picks in the um, Kyle Lowry trade? Like I, I know we gave up um, Goron and Precious, but was there any picks? No, I don't think so. All right. So basically the trade package was Goron, precious and a second round pick like who cares if if Miami didn't use that second round pick you know for whatever you know they would have eventually used it in some sort of trade I mean let's just and that's just how it is so you know it's just really funny to look at and you know now I want to move on to this next topic so now I want to talk about the spotlight heat player of the week to those who are listening who are new this is a new segment we're doing where we praise whatever Heat player you feel has not received the proper amount of praise that they should be receiving. And I know we've seen so much from our Heat players these past few games that maybe you guys want to comment on. So I want to hear what you guys got to say. So who is your spotlight Heat player of the week, Kevin? Um, I'm going to just go with Gabe Vincent, to be honest. Like, he hasn't been playing out of his mind, but he has been playing like a much improved player going back to last season because I'll be honest like it was a point in time and I know it'll probably be some Heat fans out there that agree with me but it was a point in time where literally it felt like every time Gabe Vincent put up a jumper I thought he was gonna miss like I just assumed he was gonna miss and the team's gotta be ready to rebound because he just didn't look like he had faith in himself he looked like he was lacking confidence he looked like he just 
wasn't ready to hoop, to be honest with you. He just didn't look like he was an NBA player. And I'm glad to see that he trusted the process. You know, I don't even like saying that, but honestly, he did. You know, he had a lot of, he put a lot of confidence to himself. He clearly believes in the work that he put in. And honestly, I'm happy for him because, you know, going into the season, everybody was saying, what, what do the Heat have off the bench? You know, they got a really good starting five, but do they have anything off the bench? And, you know, we knew, you know, Max Struess was going to come up, you know, and a couple other guys, and Marquise Morris should be, you know, solid force. But I don't really think anybody expected Gabe Vincent to be as solid as he's been. And, and recently he's been shooting a lot better, but I just think his play in general just has come a long way as a playmaker. Like, he's not great or anything, but – He's a serviceable backup point guard for now. You know, obviously, of course, we're still waiting for Oladipo, but, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Gabe Vincent, man. He's definitely probably, you know, he proved me wrong. I think he probably proved a lot of people wrong. So I think he deserves some some love and recognition for that. Right. And Brian? Oh, I'm going to go Max Drews just because in the three games since he's been back, he's scoring double digits and he's essentially been the closest thing that we've had to Duncan Robinson, like the real Duncan Robinson uh, in a minute. So props to him. You know, I am not the biggest Max Truce guy, but considering he's our best uh, white shooter off the bench, probably our best white shooter on the season next uh, after Tyler Hero, you know, he gets, he gets props from me. Uh, you know, like I, I questioned the bench all year. I feel like I, I still feel like it's maybe not the best. And outside of Tyler Hero, it's kind of like, you know, a toss up every night, but Recently, he's played pretty well, so I'm, I'm gonna give him his uh, his props for that. And then, Quake, what about you? Yeah, I'm also going with Gabe Vincent. Uh, the last five games before the Denver game, 13 points per game on 46% from the field, 45% from three off the bench. Uh, those are very solid stats for a backup point guard. Um, if he's done anything during the stretch, it's proved that he was an NBA player, which I question. Uh, going into the season, I didn't think that he was an NBA player, but obviously he's showing that he can play at this level. So I'm going to go with him. Right. And I agree. I honestly also go with um, Gabe Vincent because, you know, that game against Chicago not too long ago, I just freaking loved it. You know, I remember he was a bit of a sniper, actually, when he first came to the Heat as a um, two-way contract. And I remember, I think it was the game where I believe against the Clippers. And I remember that was like during the night of the trade deadline. And we barely had anyone play because of the upcoming trade, which would end up being um, for Iguodala, Jay, and Iguodala, Jay, and Solomon Hill. So he was, he was a good three-point shooter that game. And I remember, I just like, I remember thinking to myself as games went by, like whatever happened to that dude? So to see him go to Chicago and play the way how he played, you know, it was amazing. So I'm, I'm also going to go with Gabe Vincent for that. And to all those who are um, watching this on the Five Reasons Sports Network YouTube channel, we want to hear your picks as well. So comment down below and tell us who's your pick for the Spotlight Heat Player of the Week. So next up, I now want to talk about this upcoming game against the Pacers. As we all know, Jimmy and Bam are not going to be playing. And you also have Markeith Morris, who's out along with Marcus Garrett, Victor Oladipo. All right. So with that being said, knowing that these guys are going to be out and knowing that we did lose to Indiana the last time we played against them, which was the second game of the season, how do you guys feel about the Heat's chances? And what do you expect from them against the Pacers this next game? We'll start off with you, Quick. 
Well, I think this is a perfect game for your seven to get real run. Um, you're going up against Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis, both of whom can punish you inside, obviously without Bam. So I think this is a game where you can't afford to play too small. Uh, you can play with P.J. Tucker at the five in spurts, but I don't think you can do it over the course of the entire game. Nor do I think you, you should you should play uh, Caleb Martin at center. So I think this is the perfect game to see if uh, your seven can contribute uh, anything on the defensive end and also to see what he can contribute on the offensive end. And if Spolstra is hesitant towards using your seven, then perhaps he should use Udonis Haslam in this game. Right. And you, Kevin? Yeah, I agree with Quake. Um, I think your seven would be perfect in this game just because it's a good test. You know, Sabonis and Turner are pretty good defensive bigs. And I'm kind of concerned because I feel like the first time we played the Pacers earlier this season in Indiana, um, Chris Duarte was playing super confident. Like, you know, I just think people, when they see Duncan Robinson guarding them, they just get a new sense of confidence. And, you know, he's a rookie. He's like 24, though. He's an older rookie, but he's really good. And that's that's going to cause a lot of matchup problems. And especially without Jimmy, like, that's going to be a real interesting matchup. So we're going to need Tyler to keep doing what he's been doing. You know, hopefully we can get a big contribution from somebody like Max Struess, preferably, maybe even Caleb Martin. But, I mean, even Kyle Lowry. Like, I think this is a favorable matchup for Kyle Lowry, to be honest, because, you know, Brogdon is a tough matchup. Um, but, you know, I've watched Kyle play against Malcolm Brogdon, you know, in years past, and he's usually gotten the better of him. So I think we're going to need – and me personally, I don't need Kyle Lowry to go out and drop 30. It's not It's not what I'm asking at all. I just want him to be aggressive. And like you all were saying, look for a shot. You know what I'm saying? Don't be – so unselfish because sometimes we need you to be selfish, like in a good way. Like sometimes our offense, you know, loses traction and momentum and we need a bucket. And we know Kyle's not the greatest when it comes to like creating separation, but he is still good at, at getting his own shots and getting to his spots and knocking down tough shots. So I think we're we going to need a big time performance from him, even if it's just come from assist. You know what I'm saying? We, we need some type of life right now. We need some type of spark. And usually when you need when you need that, it comes from your point guard because your point guard is pretty much your quarterback. And so I need Kyle Lowry to step up this game and, and get us his win because we honestly need a bat right now. Right. And it's kind of insane to think about, you know, that last game we played against Indiana, you know, Jimmy and Bam were playing and Lowry was out. And now this time Kyle is playing and Jimmy and Bam are out, you know, so it's kind of insane to think about it. And you know what? I expect a gutsy performance from the Heat. Do I think they get the win? Um, you know what? I'm going to say yes, simply because I think they know what's ahead of them and that they're going to, they know that they're going to have to bowl out every day and night, play basketball like they've never played it before, especially when two of their max guys are out. So that's going to be my prediction. I really hope I'm not wrong. You know, I'm kind of afraid I will be. I mean, how do? What do you guys think? Quake, what's your prediction? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's tough. Um, I think that the front court combo of Turner and Sabonis is going to be a lot to handle uh, tomorrow night. Um, I, I'm. I don't want. I, I'm not going to say that the Heat will lose or that they'll win. What I will say is that uh, we need a big performance from Tyler Hero, especially um, in order to pull this out. He scored 21 against Cleveland. I think we're going to need closer to 25 points in this game. Right. And then you, Kevin? Man, um, 
for I don't know. I, honestly, if I'm keeping it 100, I think we're going to probably lose. I hate to admit that and say that, but I just think it's such a favorable matchup for the Pacers that how could you not think that they're going to win? You know what I'm saying? With Bam being out, they're going to have Sabonis pretty much get, being guarded by probably like Deadman for the majority of the game. And then Miles Turner should have a good game too. And then plus we got rebounding issues right now. It sucks for me to say this. Trust me, I do not like losing to the Pacers. I don't like losing, period. But <laughs> unless, you know, like I said, unless we get a, a big-time performance, you know, Quake made a great point with Tyler Hero. Like, we need that. And we just need Kyle Lowry to just be that point guard that we know he can be. And he's been that for the majority of the season. But, again, I know he could take it up another level. We've seen it in games like the Clippers when he had, like, 20-plus points in the fourth quarter. We've seen it when we were playing in Dallas when he had a great game in that game, too, where he just – his fingerprints was all over that game. Like, he's shown us. Like, people think – he hasn't stepped up, but he showed us in a few different occasions now that he has a couple other extra levels that he can go to. And I'm I'm holding out that he's going to do that in the playoffs. But right now, again, with Bam being out, Jimmy being out, it's Kyle's time. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's Tyler Hill's time first, of course. Don't get it twisted. But you also need, you know, a running mate. You know what I'm saying? You're not winning games unless you don't, you know, unless you have, you know, two all-star caliber players nowadays. That's just how the NBA is. It's so much talent. So, sadly, I'm going to say the Pacers win. But – we could also win this game, too, so don't get it twisted. But I'm going to just say for now that the Pacers will probably win this game. Right, and I agree with you 100%. You know, this is definitely a matchup that the Pacers want. You know, it's definitely going to be a tough one. And, you know, one more question I want to ask you guys. Do you guys think we'll get a Duncan Robinson revenge game? I don't even know we should call it a revenge game because, honestly, it seems like he gets hot and then, like, the next five games – you know, it's just nothing. Like, what do you guys think? You guys think we're going to get a D-Rob? I don't know. I guess you can call it a revenge game or whatever. Like, what do you guys think? Uh, start us off quick. I'll be optimistic on this one. I'll say we will. Um, he's definitely not going to go 0 for 6 again. That's, yep. not, that's not happening, especially after, what, he had a streak where he, it was, what, 60-something plus games was one or more threes mid. Like, it's, for him to go 0 for whatever, two straight games, that, that's that's not going to happen. So I'm going to I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that he does have a, a quote unquote revenge game. Right. And you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm definitely going to agree with Quake. Um, I, I still have a lot of confidence in Duncan Robinson. Like I know a lot of people are kind of like giving up on him and blaming him for a couple of losses that we had, like the Laker game and even the Clipper game going back when we was on that West Coast trip. But I just think right now it's just in between his head. It's just a it's just a mental thing right now. He just got to get out of his own head and know that he's still one of the premier shooters in the league. Like, even though he's going through the slump, they're still going to play him like he's a top three shooter in the league. You know what I'm saying? His gravity is crazy. I know we use that word a lot, but it's true. You know what I'm saying? And me personally, I'd like to see him expand his game a little more. Like, I know the Heat coaching staff probably tell him to just shoot, shoot, shoot. But I think sometimes, and we've seen it a few different occasions now, but I think he creates so much gravity that he's always going to have open lanes to get into the rim. And I think I also like to see him take, like, one dribble pull-ups and take the mid-range shot. I know it's not you know, a high percentage shot, you know, from stat nerds and stuff like that. But I think it's a good shot, you know what I'm saying? So I, w- I would like to see him expand his game a little bit more because I think just letting him shoot threes is kind of holding him back right now and it's kind of making him one-dimensional. And when he's not hitting threes, you know, he's almost unplayable. I hate to say that, but he's close to unplayable. He's not fully unplayable, but he's damn near close. So I- I'd like to see him expand his offensive repertoire slightly. Not too much, but when the opportunity's there, when the defense gives you – that opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. That's all offense is. You know, the defense messes up. You got to take that advantage and make the most out of it. So 
I do think he should have a bounce back game. I think he should come out, you know, scorching for it. Not scorching, but I do think he'll come out the gate and hit a few threes to get us going offensively, hopefully. Right. You know, I honestly hope that's the case for him. You know, to go 0 for 6 from a three-point line, already people are making memes about it, how uh, basically (laughs) everyone on this podcast right now scored us combined, scored just as much points as Duncan Robinson this past game. So it's crazy to see. Um, And then just one last question before we close it out. Who do you guys think will end up being the leading scorer for the Heat? I think it'll probably be an easy answer for you guys. Maybe some of you guys think Tyler Hero. I mean, what do you guys think? Start us off quick. Um, well, I'm, I would bet on Tyler Hero, but I'm, I'm hoping it's Kyle Lowry. I think that we're overdue for a big Lowry game since the Dallas game. Uh, Kevin mentioned that earlier. That was one of the, that was probably the second best game he's had this season. And it was a masterclass performance, especially in the second half. So I'm hoping that Kyle Lowry is the biggest reason why the Heat pull out a W tomorrow. Right. And then you, Kevin? Yeah, I'm going to go Kyle Lowry as well. Um, again, it's easy to say Tyler Hero, and he probably will have a big-time game, even though the defense is probably going to be focused in on him and locked in on him because they'll more than likely be the number one guy on the scouting report. But I just think that Kyle's going to have opportunities. You know, Sabonis isn't the greatest defensive player. He's, he's pretty good when it comes to just being in the right place at the right time, but you can put him in ball screens and make him work. The same thing with Turner. Like, Turner's good at when it comes to blocking shots, but when you actually make him – move his feet on the perimeter, he's not the best. You know, laterally, he's kind of slow. Um, his size kind of holds him back in his frame as well. So I just think, again, like without Jimmy and Bam, Kyle has to turn up. That's all it comes down to. He has to take it up a notch and not necessarily put the team on his back, but just make plays consistently. That's all it's going to come down to. He's been great on defense. He's been pretty good when it comes to playmaking. He scores, you know, when he wants to. But now he really has to force his will on the game. That's what it comes down to. He has to be an impact-type scorer. And I'm expecting that. Not every game, but a few games, you know, during this stretch without Bam and for however long we don't have Jimmy, which shouldn't be that long because he doesn't even like sitting out with injuries in the first place. But, um, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Kyle. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to actually take that route with you guys. I wouldn't be surprised, as you guys said, if Tyler Hero did have a good game. You know, we all know what he's capable of doing. He's basically a bucket at this point. And but at the same time, I would love a Kyle Lowry um, masterpiece. And especially considering the fact he did not play that last game against Indiana. So it would be good to see what he's capable of doing against them. But yeah, I'm going to take that Kyle Lowry, Lowry route with you guys. So anyways, we covered a lot in today's episode. Is there anything else you guys feel like we should hit on? Or are we ready to quote an episode? Um, I'll just say he fans don't panic. Um, like Brian was saying earlier, it might get a little bumpy, but I mean, that's every season. It's an 82 game season. Things happen. You're going to go on win streaks. You're going to go on losing streaks. You're going to have peaks and valleys. You're going to have highs and lows. Just stay the course. This team is still good. You know, Jimmy is Jimmy. He's still a top 10, top 15 player in the league. And when he gets back, he'll help you guys win games. He'll help us win games. And just don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. Bam seems like he's in good spirits. So, um, just, just be, be at ease for the next few months. It's not going to be pretty, but it's not going to be the worst that it could possibly be. Amen. And you quick. Yeah. Just to echo what uh, Kevin's saying, uh, just take emotions out of it. I know that's hard. I know that's hard, especially for heat fans, but it's something that's necessary. Like 
just you know break down each game rational rationally from a you know a logical point of view see what went wrong what what didn't and what can be improved uh going into the next game and try to you know stay away from hot takes you know about about certain players and whatnot like you know you're only adding to your stress by do by uh you know by doing so so right i i agree 100 percent with both of you guys so no, as Quake and um, Kevin had said, you know, just take it easy, Heat fans. You know, we know what this team is capable of doing when everyone is healthy. Just got to take a deep breath and take it one game at a time. So, anyways, thank you all for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. For more content, feel free to check out our Twitter and Instagram at HBTW Podcast. Additionally, make sure to check out our new website, at hbtwpodcast.wordpress.com while also checking out Culture Shock, the Heat vs. the World's newest extension show, which is the first Miami Heat podcast to feature an all-women cast as they will be dropping their next episode very soon. And you can follow them on Twitter at CLTRShockPod. So once again, thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you later with another episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. We out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast.